What's up, everyone? Happy New Year and a welcome back for another episode of the QB Factory Reboot brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. We are recording on another Victorious Tuesday. I think this is like the third straight Victorious Tuesday that we've got to record on. This is good stuff. This is like, this is what we like to see. It's January 4th to be exact and the Philadelphia Eagles are now nine and seven. They defeated the Washington football team on the road 20 to 16 week 17. And we have some really, really good news. We have a reason to celebrate because your Philadelphia Eagles officially clinched a playoff berth on Sunday night. They needed three different results to happen. So first, they beat the Washington football team. The 49ers beat the Texans, and the Packers beat the Vikings. So, I mean, it's officially playoff time. Like, we're talking playoff. Let's get it. Yeah, we are, we are talking playoffs, Rochelle. It, it is fantastic. It, it, is, a, it is a good feeling um, because – Alternatively, we could have been having a lot more difficult conversations about where does the organization go from here? What happens mm-hmm. to the quarterback position and all that? Instead, we get to sort of put that off for a couple of weeks. And so so that feel is great. You get into the dance, you got a shot. And to think about where this team came from to where this team was when we started the run of the show, right? This is a bottom five roster and all that okay. to where they are right now. It, it's fantastic. So, so that's great. New year, always great. Kids yeah. have been home two extra days because of snow here in the D.C. area, which is, I guess, kind of great, too. So, <laughs> so they've been sledding all day. So so all good vibes, all good vibes. I begin with a, a TV show quote. Mm-hmm. I just last night finished season two of The Witcher on Netflix. So if, if you've seen The Witcher, if you haven't seen it, if you want to see it, I'm not going to spoil anything. If you've read the books, played the video game, you, you've probably seen it. It's fantastic. It's a fantastic story. But a quote from Vesemir, who's the wide old, wise old sage witcher of them all, to, to Geralt, the hero of the story from season two, you did what you had to do. And I, I think that's kind of what we talked about, right? We, we talked about last week, they had to win this game keep the playoff hopes alive, maybe get in. They did what they had to do. And I, I think that's the big takeaway. You go on the road, divisional opponent, to a stadium that is literally falling apart, and you did what you had to do. So freaking embarrassing. Isn't it? So embarrassing. And I was, oh my gosh, okay. Let me get into my song lyrics because I'm not. Okay. Uh, but before. I I'm going to make you go there in a second. I was going to go there. Okay, all right, good. It's relevant. It has yeah. to be there. Before I even get into my song lyrics, don't forget to rate. Don't forget to leave a written review. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on social media at BGN underscore radio on Twitter and at Bleeding Green Insta on Instagram. But I chose song lyrics from Started From The Bottom by Drake. And the lyrics were simple. I could have went with Started From The Bottom Now We're Here. That was relevant. But I decided to go with uh, We Just Want The Credit Where It's Due. I'm a Worry About Me. Or you could say Us give a F about you. Nice. I chose these lyrics specifically for Jalen Hurts because regardless of the criticism and all of the pressure, he's like, at the end of the day, I'm worried about my team and getting us where we need to be, becoming the best version of myself. And he actually did a post-game interview with Mike Garofolo from the NFL. And he was saying, quote, everything we do, we're worried about us and the things that we can control and just attacking and getting better each and every day. So that's what they did. They went into this game with the mindset that it's one game at a time. We're focusing on us, regardless of what the media is saying, regardless of, you know, the future of Jalen Hurst as a franchise quarterback. The time is now. We're focusing on this game and they got the job done. So after everybody else, all the haters, they're focusing on the team. And I think that's a beautiful place to be when they're all on like a united front. 
Yeah, I think that's perfect. And so now it's down to trash FedEx Field. Yes. It's Can not- we spend like 10 minutes just trashing FedEx Field? Please, please. Look, RG3. Like we could go back to RG3 and the, the field, the surface itself that absolutely destroyed RG3's career. Yeah. And, and then to see Jalen Hurts almost get like collapsed on. Yeah. And, and the, like the other angle, the second angle of that, where you see the cameraman who's like kicking at people, like he almost got obliterated because he was literally right under that rail that fell. So, and it's curious as we're recording this on Tuesday, January 4th, mm-hmm. that we woke up to news that, oh, Washington is going to announce their new team name next month. Yeah. Because it's kind of like the, the, uh, you know, the prototypical squirrel. Hey, look, look, look over there. Forget yeah. the fact that our stadium is literally falling apart. No, 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 look over here. So, yeah. It can't get any worse for this team. Like, it's very, very sad. And all of the stuff that they've gone through within this last year, you know, from the everything that was going on from the higher ups trickling down, yep. we, the, the drama with um, the benches and them trying right. to mimic uh the cowboys and now on the railings they at one point they had like the it was like a part of the stadium was like leaking like fluids or something yeah there was like i I think it was like a sewer line disgusting yeah that is so nasty it is but it's crazy the takeaway i had from this is that jalen hurst continues to be just so unfazed even like the song lyrics i talked about he's so unbothered he's so unfazed this stuff doesn't bother him anybody else if it was me and that railing with fans on it literally collapsed feet away from me i probably would have like jumped or like screamed or something but the fans were like you know trying to get pictures with him and he was literally just so cool calm and collected like it it didn't bother him so yeah i mean (laughs) i mean from like uh Eagles fans perspective that's the most amazing thing one he didn't get hurt like yes my god I mean if he had gotten hurt in that but to see him just kind of like jump away look at it start helping people up and posing for pictures I mean that's what when we talk about playing quarterback and how you have to stay calm in the cauldron that's kind of a phrase I like to use because Mm -hmm. it's so it's so chaotic and frenzied in the pocket that's kind of what you that's the attitude that you have to have and so in a weird way it's sort of an example of what it takes to play the position when you've got this frenzy around you and you can kind of just stay in the moment and stay controlled and calm. I, I mean, I think that's a, a bright side, a silver light into what could have been. And for some people it is a disastrous situation. I mean, I, I'm sure that as if you were lawyer, as a former lawyer, I am pretty sure I know some friends that I used to practice with that are getting some phone calls or have already gotten phone calls because yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure lawsuits will happen. So, but yeah, I mean, they did what they had to do. They got the W. They're, look, we can get nitpicky on things from, from Jalen Hurts' game. I mean, I've got plays that we can talk about. But oh, yeah. I always feel like, why? Like, let's almost sort of soak in this moment. We, we could get nitpicky down the road. I mean, we could do it if you want to. But they won. They got the W. Yeah. They're in the playoffs. They shut a lot of people up. Nick Sirianni should get some votes for Coach of the Year. Yeah. And I think, you know, W's all around. Let's be happy. Oh, yeah. And like you touched on a little bit, uh, Nick, I mean, not Nick Sirianni, Jalen Hurst just being so unfazed. Nick Sirianni was talking about it post game how during the game, just like with the incident with the railing almost collapsing, he wasn't so unbothered. The Eagles were down majority of this game against no. Washington. They were down 16 to 7 at halftime, and then they were still behind going into the fourth quarter. It was 16 to 14. And Nick Sirianni was saying the same thing that the entire game, it wasn't like Jalen Hurst was panicking. 
You know, he did have some mistakes here and there. We're not going to harp on that. We're going to celebrate because yeah. we have a reason to celebrate. Yeah. But that just speaks to the type of person that Jalen Hurts is. And he got them through this win. He had a pretty, I think he had a strong performance. I think this was one of his stronger performances. Of course, like when you're looking at the numbers, the box score, it doesn't really show that because he only completed 17 of 26 for 214 yards, zero touchdowns. He had uh, through zero interceptions, uh, but he ran for 44 yards on seven carries. So another thing that I noted was that in the first quarter, he was four for four uh, for 61 yards with two rushes on 13 yards. So he did what he had to do. It wasn't like phenomenal when you look at the numbers, but I think he got the job done. He made some really, really good throws and good decisions in crucial moments. So, I mean, this was a stock up game for Jalen Hurts and yep. I'm sure you have some plays. I'm only focusing on positive today because I'm trying, I'm, I'm in a good mood. I'm right. sure you have some plays. I have some good plays. So let's just dive right into what we saw from Jalen Hurts. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought, look, it, it's weird. This team generally has this sort of mode of starting slow and that might be an issue, you know, in the playoffs and the wild card might be an issue this week against Dallas, but he started fairly well. I think I, I love, you know, he had a throw as, a second and 10 at the 11 12 mark in the first quarter, just a seven stop route to Devonta Smith. It looks like he's running a corner route and that sort of curls up. And he was really the only receiver in the concept because it was a play action under center concept. And, and look, we, we talk a lot about time and rhythm anticipation and, and Hertz showed it on that play. He's getting it. Smith's getting into the break. The ball's coming out. It, it's perfect. There was actually a, a throw where, you know, he ends up scrambling. It's a second and 13 at the 824 mark of the first quarter where, you know, there's a lot of discussion about Hertz sort of get into the secondary in the third reads, right? And he opens to the left side. He had then at least brought his eyes back to the right to check to see what was happening there before pulling the football down. And so, you know, I, I thought that was a good sign, a good moment of growth. I want to give Siriati some credit. There was sort of a two-pass and play sequence in the second quarter. First was a second and five at like 14-28 mark where they go heavy personnel. I love it when teams do this. They have three tight ends of the game. So you've got 13 personnel, one running back, one receiver, three tight ends. Um, and, and they run four verticals out of it. You've got four deep routes. And Dallas Garnett's open on the left side. He's wide open. It's against single high coverage. And that's kind of where you want to throw at that inside seam, one of those inside seams, move the safety to one throw to the other. But instead, he sort of checks it down to Scott, who picks up like 15 or 20 yards or something like that, 19 yards. And, you know, it, it's a nice play, but you'd like to see him be a bit more aggressive. Well, the next pass and play, they call the same concept, just to the different side of the field. And Hertz had to scramble because they got some pressure on it, but he hit one of those seams. And so I thought Siriati deserves a ton of credit for seeing something that worked and pretty much going right back to it and giving Hertz another chance to hit it. So I, I liked that sequence of plays as well. I think that's interesting that you brought that up because sometimes we talked about like coaching like coaches in the past and how like, you know, there comes like a pride with it. And I think sometimes when coaches do one thing and it works, it's like, Oh, let's turn it up a notch. Let's, let's, you know, elevate and, and try to get even more creative. But the fact that he stuck with that, like, okay, it worked. Let's stick right. with this again. We're just going to switch to the other side. That tells you like a little bit about coach Nick Sirianni and like his mindset. It's like, he's not getting ahead of himself. Right. He understands like where his team is at. And they're working with that and they're taking advantage of that. 
And what I love about sort of throwing, particularly throwing deep out of heavier personnel, on the second to five play in particular, Washington has five defensive linemen in the game. You know, when you come out with three tight ends, what is a defense going to do? I mean, if you ever like watch it a game and you see on the sideline, there's usually somebody with like an electronic scoreboard type thing that mm-hmm. has 11, 12, 13 on it. That person's job is to hold up what personnel package the offense is in before the play. And, you know, 12 personnel is two tight ends, 13 personnel, three tight ends, 11, you know, one running back, one tight end, three receivers. Because it has to add up to five because you've mm-hmm. got five eligible receivers. And the first number is the running back. The second number is the number of tight ends. And then whatever's left, that's the number of receivers. And so when you come out as an offense, 13 personnel, what's the defense going to do? They're going to expect you running the football. They're going to get bigger. They're going to get heavier. So in this case, you've got five down linemen, two linebackers and four defensive backs. It's a base-ish type defense, but then you throw deep out of it. You you throw the football against these heavier packages. I thought that's a really good thing to do, especially for a young quarterback, because you want to throw against base-type defenses with you know only four defensive backs in the game. So I thought that was a really good job by Sirianni. It didn't work the first time, so he comes back. You're still in that 13 personnel package. They stay in that 5-2-4 defense, and you're able to get the big play in the passing game. I had another play that I wanted to talk about, probably one of the biggest plays of the day, arguably. This was the play, the pass to Greg Ward. It was 10 minutes and 10 seconds left in the third quarter, third and 14. And this was a point when the birds were down seven to 16, but it was a 20 yard, 27 yard pass to Greg Ward Jr. And I thought that Jalen Hurst did a really good job scrambling. You could kind of tell like he was looking downfield. He was planning to throw the ball but he took advantage of what the defense gave him his ability to scramble and avoid the pressure and he still got the ball off and on target inside the five I thought that this was like really really impressive and this was a particular play that I think touches and shows how mature Jalen Hurts is becoming or has developed how mature he's gotten over the last few weeks so that was probably the biggest play that I saw and they ended up scoring on fourth down so just seeing like plays building on building on building and being able to capitalize on that and, and get a score from that. Yeah. And I, I think what's important, Rachelle, to mention Hertz called that on his own mm-hmm. because they were going sort of up tempo. He didn't hear the play call that offensive coordinator Shane Steichen had sent in. Mm-hmm. And he had this quote, quote, we kind of operate a little faster than out of the huddle, especially going into third downs because you can expect a whole bunch of different looks. What actually happened on that play is that I didn't get the play. I didn't get the play. I thought I heard what he said, but kind of had to pull one out of my hat. Ward made a heck of a play on the scramble drill, adjusting to catch the football. So he had to call that play. And what you pointed out is exactly right, because he hits his final step in the draw and he started to get pressure off the right side. So he steps up in the pocket, doesn't bail the pocket. You see him pointing out because he wants people to adjust their routes in a scramble drill, but they kind of go away from him. So he has to slide a little bit more to his right and finally finds Ward, you know, down near the five yard line or so. It's a great example. We talk all the time about keeping your eyes downfield, right? And, mm-hmm. and it's a very hard thing to do as a quarterback, because when you're trying to survive back there, you're trying to see who's coming at you to hit you. It's hard to keep your eyes downfield and find targets in the passing game. But he did a great job of that on that play. And to think that he did that, having called the play, didn't get the play call, I thought it was a pretty impressive moment. Yeah, you got to be quick on your toes. So. Yeah. And it was successful, so he executed it extremely well. I think that that's like a strong leadership characteristic. Yeah. Something you want your quarterback to have. 
Right. Another play that I thought was kind of interesting, I wanted to see your thoughts on it. This was the second touchdown that Boston Scott had. And it was kind of like the little pitch throw that right. first game. It was really cool. But it was. He got like his foot stepped on in the midst of this. But I didn't think that that was going to go well. So the fact that it was successfully executed and uh, Boston Scott caught the ball, it just looked like it was kind of like one of those plays where it's, uh, uh, hold up, hold up, what's going on? Yeah, and that's – I've been there. Like when you're trying to either get a handoff to somebody or try to like make a pitch to somebody and you either get tripped or get stepped on, it's a terrified moment. And you've, that is a moment where like the margin for error is very slim because you're falling down. It's an unnatural movement and you're trying to then make a pitch or or gauge how to get the football to that running back. That could have gone, like you said, a number of different ways. Like that could have been a fumble. That could have been a scoop and score pick six going the other way, but instead he's able to get it to him. Ed Scott, to his credit, is able to finish the play with a touchdown. And, you know, the block is set up really well in front of it. So, of course, you want to take advantage of that. You know, you've got, obviously, the guys leading you to the edge. Goddard does a good job. You know, you get a good tackle. Devonta Smith had a good block in space as well because they ran it to his side of the field. So, you know, it, it was a narrow window to hit that because you're falling down. Bodies are flying everywhere. And you've got to get it out because if you hit the ground, they could rule you down by contact. You know, you've got to get that out before you hit the turf. And so that was a tough play. It wasn't easy. It's a panicky type moment. But similar to what the theme of the show is, he didn't fully panic. He kind of stayed within himself, realized what he had to do, and found a way to get it done. Yes. That might be the title of the show. Something with yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Avoiding panicking. Avoiding panic. <laughs> yeah. There we go. It's 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 a good lesson for 2022. Avoiding yeah. panic. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. Did you have any other strong plays that you wanted to mention from uh, Hertz's performance? Yeah, I mean, I, there was one, the third and eighth scramble, 412 of Got the it. second quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I thought we've talked a lot about Hertz sort of scrambling and, you know, whether he's pulling the football down too quickly or not. But I thought this was a good example of him sort of being a little bit patient. Like he slides and again, he's looking for stuff downfield. He wants to find a target of the downfield passing game. Mm-hmm. But then finally the, the clock runs out, like you've got to go. Mm-hmm. And he's able to turn that into a 22-yard gain. I mean, it's a third and eight on your own 27-yard line. You're down 13-7. You know, if you give the ball back to them at this point, you know, again, they were still trailing 16-7 at the half, but mm-hmm. it could have been 27 or something like that. He's able to turn this into a positive play, get it out near midfield, mm-hmm. and to do it after, again, trying to find a target downfield, not bailing the pocket immediately, I think is a good sign for his development. He's came a long way. because I think He really has. Back, back earlier in the season, like first five weeks, we knew that he was like that was his number one. It was yeah. like I can I know I can run, so I'm gonna right. take advantage. And we've seen like literally him maturing right before yeah. our eyes over the weeks. And that's not his first look. Like it's yeah. not oh I'm gonna run first because yeah. I know I can. He's trying to you know look downfield and and make those reads. So yeah, he's kind of got to the point, Rachel. I think where like is either I'm thrown to my first read and my second read is I'm going to run the football. So it's like one, a one B one B is going to be run now running. I think is more like two two B like he'll look one, he'll look two. Sometimes he'll come to three or sometimes he'll like just run it then. But that's still a sign of positive growth. There are other young quarterbacks, some of who were drafted in the same class as him 
that it's one and run. And, and that's still where they're at right now. Some of whom were drafted before him and have a little bit more experience. They're still sort of one and run. And so the, the fact that he's gotten there is a tremendous side for his development and growth. And I know we're going to spend a lot of time in the weeks ahead about, is he the guy? Is he the franchise guy? Is he the future? I, I think he's kind of at least putting that to rest for a season. Now, maybe the organization views it differently before when I said, like, I, I think you give him one more shot, certainly for next season, given what he's shown and the growth that he's shown and the strides he's made under this coaching staff. I first, before I even go like comment on that, I think it's another thing to mention that he knows he has his legs as an advantage. Right. And sometimes I feel like, like it could be easy to, turn away from that altogether because you know everybody's expecting you to do it. So then you only are looking to pass the ball. So the right. fact that he still knows when to make the decision, like when to run, when not to run, this was a big play. The one that you talked about third and eight, that was a yeah. really big play. And he could have easily forced a throw because he knew like everybody's criticizing me on being able to throw the ball. But the fact that it was like, okay, I did my reads, but I'm still going to run. He didn't right just completely neglect the run and he still, you know, got a really big plate off of that. Yeah. And I mean, it's a balancing act for an athletic quarterback like Hurts because, you know, we've talked about it for most of the part of his career. He's been the most athletic guy on the field. Now, you know, the NFL, obviously they're really good athletes on the other side of the ball. So you have to sort of balance that. But I I, I didn't want to cut you off because I know you were going to go to the deeper question about Hurts for a second. So I'm going to kind of step back and let you go. I mean, I've I've read a couple different articles and I think that this game was a turning point for him because we saw so like the entire game was like a complete strong performance from Hertz. It wasn't like only the first quarter was a strong performance or the third quarter was strong. It looked like he did a really good job throughout the entire game, like doing what he had to do, staying focused, making smart decisions. So I think that this game has people really questioning like, okay, maybe he is the franchise QB or or for at least the next season. Let's not maybe get too far ahead of ourselves, at least for the next season, because look how far we've got. We're at nine and seven and he got us here, you know, credit to the offensive line one for doing what they had to do and everybody else, but he's the leader of the team. So the fact that in his, I guess you can say second full season, this is first technically his first full season, but got to a nine and seven record you have to give him his his props, his credit. Yeah, I think so. And 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 because of the questions about the next rookie quarterback class and, you know, looking around how other teams have sort of handled the quarterback situation, we saw that last night with the Cleveland Browns and what they're going to be going through. Like, I, I think reserved optimism is, is certainly, like, fair. I mean, looking at for next season, yeah. I mean, I think he's done enough to say, yeah, he's certainly your week one starter next year and going forward. And and you sort of want to continue to see growth from there, but this was a strong performance. And to get this team to the playoffs, a team that when you and I started back in August, it was like, this is a bottom five roster. Like it's going to be a rough year. It's going to be a sort of developmental year. And you're going to see how players progress. Well, progressing to the playoffs is a pretty darn good way to go about doing things. And so I think, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. They'll, They'll get a tough test this week from Dallas. I'm very curious to see how Dallas handles this week mm-hmm. from a sort of, you know, they're not going to get a real shot at the two now, you know, mm-hmm. having lost to Arizona, they're almost locked into either the the three or the four, most likely the, the four. 
Mm-hmm. We'll see what they do. do. Do they sort of play everybody? Does this Philly play everybody? I, this is going to be a weird, weird situation. So we'll see. I mean, let's take it there. I mean, we're, we're moving forward. So let's transition. We're looking ahead to week 18. You know, the Eagles are going to be hosting the Cowboys. And this is going to be the second time that they met this season. Of course, we already know earlier when they met back in September. I think it was it was a, it was a very disappointing loss. Yeah. It was like 41 to 21. And but this is a completely different Eagles. It's completely yeah. different team. Into you have to factor that in. This is not the same team that it was when they played the first time. And Dallas has been kind of like struggling here and there. Dak Prescott hasn't been looking phenomenal, and they just lost uh, Michael Gallup, who's out for the season. So, um, I think this game could go either way. I think this is definitely a game that the Eagles have to show up, and the defense is going to be a factor for sure because we know that they have strong wide receivers. Yeah. Um. But the Cowboys are coming off of a loss, so it's kind of like what type of state are they are they currently in? They lost their third. They just snapped their four game winning streak. The Cardinals did so. Yeah, I mean that Dallas Arizona game was odd because Dak played well, but he mm-hmm. had some misses in the first half. That you know, I, I do a video for Blogging the Boys each week, breaking down Dak, and he had some misses that he and Amari Cooper weren't on the same page. He had some misses that I just, I think he just made bad throws on more than anything else, and I couldn't really find anything. Like, earlier in the year, like Thanksgiving, when he had, was coming back from that calf injury, like, he was really struggling to generate power. He was, like, really trying to drive off that right leg, and his release point was all sorts of messed up. He was missing throws high and left into the outside. He was overstride, and he was stepping into the bottom. It, it was all kind of a mess in a sense mechanically, but he's gotten better since then. But the offense just isn't quite clicking. It didn't quite click early in that game. Now they do some interesting things conceptually. And one of the things that Jonathan Gannon's going to have to worry about, you know, when the Eagles play a lot of single high stuff, so they play some zone stuff. You know, they have this concept where they love to run one receiver through, occupy people, and then bring a dig route behind it. They love to throw that to Lamb. And, you know, they, they've had success with that. They had success with it against New England. They had success with it against Arizona this week. So that's something certain to keep in mind. But this offense isn't just quite right right now. Yeah. You know, the offensive line has struggled a little bit. Uh, Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott deserve a ton of credit, though, for what they do from a pass protection standpoint. Like, they're very good in pass protection. So that's something to keep in mind. Losing Gallup certainly hurts. Um, Dalton Schultz is going to be a problem. They, they like to scheme stuff up for him. He's a – you know, tight end that is going to probably cash in on the free agency market because I think he's a free agent this year. So they still have weapons, but it's an offense that's not quite fitted together right. Sure, they had a great game against Washington two weeks ago, but Arizona slowed them down. It was interested. Arizona has this defensive package, a 065 package, where it's no down linemen, six linebackers, five defensive backs. And they put like six or seven or sometimes eight guys on the line of scrimmage, all in a two-point stance. And you don't know who's blitzing. You don't know who's dropping. And they had a sack of Prescott on that where they showed that look. They keep the running back and the tight end into block as they're worried about sort of, say, say, seven or eight guys blitzing. And only four came, the two guys on each edge. The middle four all drop out. So you've got the inside interior offensive lineman blocking air, and you've got guys overmatched on the outside, and they're still dropping seven, so all the routes are covered because since you kept the runner back in the tight end of the block, you've only got three receivers in the passing concept. And so I don't know if Gannon has time, probably not, to install stuff like that. 
but it's something to sort of keep in mind because you know those sub packages where you show these simulated pressure looks or you, you run these simulated pressures where you don't know what, who's coming from where that seems to have given Dallas some problems this year. Mm, another thing that's been giving them problems lately is their penalties. Yeah. So the penalties alone could technically take them out of the game. I don't yeah. know. I, you know, we all well, know. Cowboys Twitter. And, like if you watch Cowboys Twitter during the course of a game, they, they gripe about penalties. Now, to be fair, they are the most penalized and they've lost the most yardage due to penalties this year. That could go two ways. A, teams are just calling stuff against them or they're committed more penalties. I mean, there, there's sort of two ways to look at it. And now maybe the truth is somewhere in between, but you know, the, the penalty yardage and the number of penalties called kind of speak for itself. So, you know, th that's a good point. I mean, they could sort of shoot themselves in the foot, so to speak. Yeah. And another thing I wanted to transition to looking at, you already kind of touched on it, but when we look at where the Eagles are, where the Cowboys are looking ahead to the playoffs, what are your thoughts on one, the Eagles, resting starters like do they need to, can they afford to rest their starters same thing with the Cowboys I think Mike McCarthy already came out and said that they're planning to play their starters in Philly I don't know if they're going to play the entire game but yeah I mean I, I think for both teams you know you probably want to play guys at least at the start and, but you you don't want to get somebody hurt because no. you've got a playoff game the next week mm -hmm. like you know that since you've already clinched I think, you know, from Dallas's perspective, once they lost to Arizona and the two seed kind of went out the window, now it's like, you know, you're probably going to want to throttle this back. And from Philly's perspective, look, you're in. Yeah. You know? And, you know, whether you're the six or the seven doesn't mean it really matter. You're going to be facing a road game. You're going to be playing a tough team either way. And since you're playing on Saturday, it's mm -hmm. not like you could say, all right, well, if we win, we'll definitely play team A versus team B. Like mm -hmm. you've got to play a game. And so now had they had like the 425 on Sunday and you could have seen, all right, well, Tampa Bay won. So if we lose, we're going to be playing Tampa Bay. We don't want to play Tampa Bay. We better try to win this game. Like you can't really play that game since you're playing on Saturday. At least that, at least as of right now, who knows if, if COVID impacts that or not. Mm -hmm. So I think – from Philly's perspective, if I'm Nick Sirianni, I get the starters in the game. I let them get a little bit of run. And then sometime in the second quarter, it's like, look, we got to throttle this back because we can't go into a, a wild card game with Hurts down or a, a Kelsey injured or Lane Johnson injured or, yeah. you know, a Darius Slay out. Like, you got to start thinking ahead. And so I think that's how they'll approach it. Obviously, football players want to compete. You know, they yeah. want to go out there and win. So maybe they 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 want argue to to stay in the game. But I, I think you have to sort of think long term here on Saturday night. Exactly. I think you're spot on with that. And you touched on COVID. You mentioned COVID. Yeah. So we have to mention that we're recording on Tuesday, but as of Monday afternoon, 12 Eagles players were added to the COVID list. And there's a great deal of players, including Fletcher Cox, Dallas Goddard's on that list, Jason Kelsey, Avante Maddox, Boston Scott. It's a, it's a lot of players on that list. Yeah. The only up from that, that, you know, there is a possibility for, you know, some of these players to be cleared because of the new, new five-day um, five COVID protocols from the NFL. So there is time. Now, the other thing to sort of keep in mind here, going back to the earlier conversation, it was heartwarming in the moment. And we talked about it to see Hurts with the fans. But then in the back of your mind, I'm sure you were thinking, just like I, I was, 
oh my god, like what if Hertz pops out on the COVID list? And I it's it's, it. it's depressing that that's kind of the, the world we're living in, where yeah. that's what you have to think of. But and for this game on Saturday night, now we're on Tuesday. If he pops up now, mm-hmm. I mean, Tuesday that Saturday night game's probably out because Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, I, I'm not that smart when it comes to math, but I can count to four. I've got five yeah. fingers, so I can get that counted job done. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's something. It's the world we're living in right now. So yeah. I mean, fingers crossed that the COVID situation sort of takes resolves itself and everybody's okay and gets cleared, and we have no more positive tests or things like that. But yeah, ugh, just it's one crazy, more thing. To, yeah, it is crazy timing because up until this point, the Eagles have been one of the teams, the one of the few teams who've been who hasn't had a lot of players on the COVID list. So it's just right. like, ah, you know? Yeah. I mean, I was, I was literally walking out to the sled hill yesterday afternoon to watch the kids go sledding. And I look at my phone one more time and I'm like, Oh, come on. Cause I saw on the timeline, like Eagles are a COVID mess. And I'm just like, Oh no, you've yeah. got to be kidding me. But that's what popped up. Yeah. So mm, we're going to have to see. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but like you said, fingers crossed, we're going to hope for the best. Yeah, we're going to hope for the best. Yeah. So, I mean, now we just prepare for Saturday. This game did get rescheduled. It was originally on Sunday, but on Saturday night at 8.15, the Eagles will be playing the Dallas Cowboys. So, they're division rivals. We don't know how this game is going to go. There's a lot of different things, you know, factoring into this game. Are the starters going to play? What's going to happen with COVID and the players? But we're going to be back next week, hopefully talking some positive Eagles football uh, if, if nothing else, yeah, we'll have a playoff matchup to talk about. We'll have playoff, and, you know, whether it's Tampa Bay, whether it's the Rams, like who, who yeah. knows, it could be Arizona, like who who knows how things sort of shake out. But we will have playoff football to talk about, which is pretty cool. Yeah, but hopefully, until then, you can enjoy and celebrate how yep. far the Eagles have come and the yep. fact that they even clinched a playoff spot. Yeah. So. It, it, it's a relatively stress-free week. Yes. Re- I know it's Dallas week and it's yeah. the Cowboys and it's a huge rivalry, but it's still relatively stress-free. It's not like imagine the situation if they had to win this to get it. Mm-hmm. But, like it's a much different mood. Now you've got the COVID thing. Now yeah. everybody's on pins and needles. Hey, they're at least in. Savor yeah. that. Enjoy that. We could talk about playoff football next week for now. Relax a little bit. Yeah. Playoffs are stressful. Playoffs are stressful. Just relax a little bit. Yeah. So don't forget to rate, leave a review, subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on social, follow both me and Mark on social. If you don't, you know, might as well check out the YouTube channel. We released the video on YouTube so you can go and watch that if you want to watch it on YouTube too and subscribe. We would greatly appreciate that. But any last words, Mark? Well, to that point, if you'll see up there, right up there, that little Oregon helmet, um, my parents got got me some cute little like midi college football helmets to put in the backdrop now where the qb factory logo is behind it there's a kansas jayhawks one they got me a usc one that's kind of out of view as well i might have to adjust my camera angle but so yeah that makes it worthwhile if nothing else you can see some of the stuff there it is see there it is the little jayhawks one up there and you get the oregon one there you get the baby yoda that is so cool yes that little mini patriots helmet right there that is signed by tom brady people have wondered you know if, if if the house is ever on fire what's something you'd grab well, yeah. I'd, I'd still grab my kids. Let's, let's, put, let's be honest. Let's still grab my kids. Priority. But if I had time to go back, I'd grab my cats. If I had time for okay. a third trip, Baby Yoda. Probably Baby Yoda. Oh, okay. I mean, it's Tom Brady. I'm, I'm about to say, what? If I have time, Rachel, for a fourth trip back into the house, then we're getting into a, a, a this is us moment, right? 
Yeah. I don't want to spoil this is us for people that haven't watched it, but then you get into that kind of if I go back and have a situation like that for a Tom Brady helmet, I might have gotten what I deserved. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Oh, <laughs> great way to end it. Yeah. Like, you gotta watch the YouTube video so that you can see in the back. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're just listening to the audio, I mean, plus, you know, you, you get to see baby Yoda. I mean, yeah. everybody wants to see a little stuffed baby Yoda. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. But that's all. So tune in next week. <laughs>